This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. It was like a head-on car accident there. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him, kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. You can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. Hey, it's GMAC along with Doug Brown. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Edmonton Eskimos, the Blue Bombers. Come out ahead of the Edmonton Eskimos in the home opener, Doug Brown. What say you? Four touchdowns to seven field goals. Is that a positive or is it a negative? I'm not sure for who. It was, you know, in terms of how home openers go, maybe a little underwhelming. We saw some uh, glimmers and some glimpses and some things to be excited about, but just it got off the rails a little bit. I mean, Edmonton was a, a formidable opponent coming in, so it was a good test. And yeah, you know, there's uh you're not really sure. A game like that, it just, your takeaways, I think, you're like, okay, there's some work to do. There's some rust there. But most importantly, you win the game, right? So it's okay to win ugly. It's okay to win and not. In fact, it's you're going to have games where you aren't firing on all cylinders. This is just a matter of certainty. In fact, when you play 18 games in the regular season in the CFL, you can't be on for all of them, or your opponent's going to bring some stuff that you're not ready for, or you're just not going to have the same finesse or polish or finish as you sometimes do. And if you can win those games, if you can get away with a W when you're like, wow, I mean, we kind of we kind of robbed that one or, or we got a little lucky there. These are the ones that, that push you over the top when it comes to contending for home field playoff advantage way down the road. Is it fair to say that teams of the last one, two, three or four years would have found a way to lose that game ultimately? Mm. Yeah, for sure. Previous Winnipeg Blue Bomber squads, they needed two out of three phases to win a football game. You know, um, I think, you, you know, it's funny. It hasn't been talked about a lot in, in the breakdown of, of the win against Edmonton, but I thought the, you know, I thought they won on special teams. I thought they won because they were able to flip the field uh, every time, whether they, you know, had a drive that stalled or whatever. Edmonton was starting inside their 15-yard line. It seemed like 90-something percent of the time they had a long field in front of them. And when you play, you know, two-down football, essentially, where, you know, you got a punt on third down, you make a couple – that's a long way to go without making a couple mistakes, right? You have to be – you have to to put together drives like that that there aren't there isn't a drop ball, there isn't a miscommunication, or a guy doesn't turn the wrong way, or or you don't get enough yards on first down and put yourself in a hole. That's an incredible long way to go without any room for error for a football team. And I really thought that the special teams was the phase essentially won the game for this team because the defense got marched on huge. Right, the Edmonton offense pretty much won in every single number and statistic in this game, except for scores. And uh, you know, if there's a credit to this defense in this game, it's holding them to threes instead of sevens. Right, when you're in the red zone and such, getting your back up against your your goal line, they perform very well. But even offensively, you know, they had their moments, but there were miscues, there were mistakes, there were turnovers. 
Uh, they never, you know, Matt Nichols didn't have his best game. Andrew Harris didn't have his best game. We didn't get to see the Chris Matthews debut. We were all looking for, obviously, Lucky Whitehead had a heck of a game. But it wasn't the offense we're used to in terms of consistent, sustained drives, playing mistake-free football. So without the special teams really pinning Edmonton back, uh, starting their drives deep within their own end zone, their own their own uh, uh, half of the field, this is a different football game. So you know they won with one phase playing exceptionally well. So you were apprehensive to use the terminology in association with Matt Nichols last week. The terminology was management, game management. Every quarterback cringes when you suggest he's a good game manager. Does every defensive coordinator cringe when they, when somebody uses the terminology bend, don't break? Bend, but I mean, can don't we call break this blue- defense. Can we call this anything but with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, at least how they played last Thursday night? Yeah, I mean, right now, that's you, you look at that defensive performance, you're like, okay, they bent and they bent some more, and then they became a, a limbo dancer, and then they were doing some <laughs> yoga pose we've never seen before, and then the spine was removed, and they were just gumby, and it just it kept escalating uh, because they kept bending. But, you know, when it mattered, when it came to whether they're going to give up majors or they're going to give up uh, field goals, they held them to field goal attempts and, and seven field goals that be. So I don't know how else you can say that's not us. We don't want to wear that. We don't want to wear that wig. That's, that's, you know, not who we are. That's not our identity. But when uh, an opposing team puts up that kind of yardage on you, has that kind of consistent drives, has that kind of offensive production, and then you just hold them to, you just prevent them from getting in the end zone and getting majors. Well, you know, what else can you describe it as, right? Just, uh, well, well, we only start playing hard when we're uh, in the red zone. You you know, it's it's certainly a bend but not break. Um, well, let me counterpoint, let me counterpoint somewhat. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers offense uh, did the defense no favors in the first half. I believe it was 17 first half offensive plays. And then at the very end of the game, when the defense hadn't done indeed done what appeared to be its final job of the night. Andrew Harris coughed up the ball and gave Edmonton yet another opportunity to go in for the tying touchdown. The offense didn't do the defense a ton of favors. Am I looking at this through rose-colored Richie Hall-sized glasses if I suggest that? No, that's a fair point for sure. Uh, The defense definitely had their moments in that game. It's not all, oh, back to the drawing board. But, you know, we were talking about whether we can classify that performance as a bend but not break kind of thing. And and that's exactly what it was. But they certainly uh, had their moments where they contributed into you know, any late surge or, or game tying drive, they, they stepped up and uh, uh, brought their play up to the moment and, and performed quite well in, in, in spots. And offensively, you know, the interesting thing about this game, they have a home run hitter now. It's, it's weird because the drives weren't consistent or fluid. It was kind of erratic play. Uh, there wasn't a, a great ground game. The passing game wasn't really in sync. There were interceptions. There were fumbles. But a couple times, obviously, as we know, we know who the the leading receiver in this game was. And all of a sudden, when you have this kind of arsenal now, you have a player like this, like Lucky Whitehead on your roster now. Just getting him the ball and enough touches 
he breaks a couple and all of a sudden now you're 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 winning and and things are going really well for you. The offense also had their their moments too, right? That drive where Dembski got a lot of touches and and capped that off for them. That was an impressive drive as well, but they are now deep enough and multifaceted enough, I think, with their offensive weaponry that they can overcome, uh, you know, mediocre or, or below average performances offensively if they just feed the guy with the hot hand. And that was Lucky Whitehead in this game. Talk about an innocuous play call, wide receiver screen. Those often don't go for touchdowns, but that was what we saw in that game just because he's a player if if you got guys playing unselfish football and that are selling out to to block for him uh, to to just create a cre- a crease uh, to spring him in any way shape or form, he can make things happen and he can he can turn a, a game on its head and uh, just be a really dynamic explosive player for your offensive weaponry. Seventy five yard touchdown, a play in which he was actually interfered with as he was running his route. Didn't seem to disrupt him. He still managed to come up with the ball and finish the play. And then, of course, the screen play, the 41-yarder, where there were some tremendous uh, blocks, I think, by both Darvin Adams and Chris Matthews on that play to free up Lucky Whitehead. Uh, question here, Doug. Can Lucky Whitehead turn just about any play into a touchdown? Does he have that sort of talent? Well, that's just it. You know, I, I wrote a column today in the in the free press just about, you know, the nature of uh, the, any successful football season for any football team is guys that have bought in, guys that sell out and that have no problem uh, performing unselfishly for the betterment of the team, right? So on that play you were, you were talking about, Chris Matthews, I think it was Chris Matthews and Drew Walitarski, they were in a bunch formation with Lucky Whitehead, the ball got slung out there, and those two are responsible for the first two defenders coming downhill. And I mean, they weren't throw you out of the club kind of blocks. They were, you know, they sustained blocks. They got into guys and they just gave, they gave Lucky Whitehead a crease. They gave him a little bit of room to get up to speed. And then his talent, his natural talent, uh, ability and, uh, you know, uh, elusiveness combined with that blazing speed did the rest. So it's whenever you get a, a number one receiver like your Chris Matthews and he does that, uh, for for a player, you know, he, he wasn't brought onto this football team to block necessarily. No one said, hey, Chris Matthews is coming to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They signed him. He's a fantastic blocker. One of the best. No, that's not why he's here, right? He's here to catch footballs and, and to stretch the field vertically and, and to make dynamic plays. And because of his huge catch radius and all of these factors, he's he's fantastic. He wasn't necessarily brought brought here as a blocker, but he blocked so well and and, and did his job uh, unselfishly on that play. That's what sprung Lucky Whitehead. So when you get guys, no matter you know what their role is on the football team, that that understand that you've got a special player, and if we get out there and we work really hard, even in a play where you're not going to be featured, you know these are things that can help you uh, be successful and. Lucky Whitehead, honestly, from the kind of ability we've just seen from him in the preseason and these couple of games, um, he's he's a guy you you just don't know. He just needs enough touches. I think that's it. I think you just like Andrew Harris, we've we've kind of mapped games where he needs to touch the football this much, he needs to run the ball this many times, he needs to catch the ball this many times. I think with Lucky Whitehead, you need to, you just need to get the ball in his hands. You need to get guys out in front of him, block him, and if he can get a crease and if he can get sprung, he's gone kind of thing. This is what we've always talked about 
This is what you call a home run hitter, a vertical threat, someone's ability to score from anywhere on the field. And like you say, wide receiver screens are not, oh, that's a big play. You know, that's not four go route go routes down the field where you're you're really attacking uh just with speed and and trying to go for the home run. He's uh he he's got an uncanny ability, I think, just to make people miss. And once he gets uh to that top gear, he's he's pretty much impossible to catch. I know this is going to be a pretty broad question, but a simple one. Do the Bombers need to play better to beat the 2-0 and Ottawa Red Blacks? Yeah, I think they do. You know, first and foremost, going on the road, that's going to be a challenge. Um, I think Ottawa feels like they're a team highly disrespected this year because nobody, um, you know, was counting on with the fact that they lost Trevor Harris, their starting quarterback, and Dom Davis is their starting quarterback right now, a guy that was unceremoniously let go from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. No one had them, you know, competing or contending for any anything. So I think they've got that chip on their shoulder. I think they're a very good football team at home, and they've got something going right now. Uh, football is a game, obviously, of momentum and uh, guys just building off of successes. And they've got a lot of positive things and a lot of surprise people in Ottawa right now and a lot of eyebrows raised just uh, based on what they've been able to do to this point early, obviously, in the regular season. But the Bombers play like they did against Edmonton, and they take that on the road to Ottawa. I, I would dare say they're not going to be successful. The The great thing about this football team is, yeah, they didn't play their best. Uh, they got away with it. They're they're 2-0 and now, and uh, we, we know that they can raise that level and they can play a lot better. Well, I'm just looking at the power rankings that just came out on CFL.ca as we were talking. Winnipeg Blue Bombers ranked number one. Edmonton Eskimos at two and one, ranked number two. The three and O Hamilton Tiger Cats at number three. Calgary Stampeders are one and one, ranked ahead of the Ottawa. number five, all Ottawa Red Blacks at two and O. So tell me the Ottawa Red Blacks aren't feeling disrespected. Yeah, that's that's exactly it right there. Is that everyone, even though they've started well, you know, they can be, hey, we're two and O and yet we're ranked fifth in the CFL. It's because everyone's expecting it just to implode, right? They had a hot hand of a new quarterback and they're like, okay, this is regression towards the mean. The law of averages is going to catch up with this guy. Sooner or later, he's going to implode. He's going to spray the football all over the field. Uh, There's a reason, you know, he wasn't a starter in this league. There's a reason Winnipeg let go of him. Uh, That law of averages, everyone is expecting to catch up uh, with Dom Davis and and have uh, a performance a performance uh, not very uh, similar to what he's been able to pull off in the first two weeks. So I, I think this is further fuel for that football team, especially playing at home, is that, hey, you guys, stop patting yourself on the back because nobody still believes we can sustain this or continue on this tear that we've been going on because uh, they've really been surprising people with their performances thus far. Okay, let's wrap it up with this question. Spoke to Jake Thomas this morning and asked him about if there's any advantage of playing a quarterback like Dom Davis. And I think you've kind of made your point that Davis and the whole Red Blacks team is going to have something to prove. Mm -hmm. Davis maybe on a personal level. Do the Blue Bombers have a little bit of an advantage, uh, at least the players who practice with Dom Davis for the last three or four years, in terms of knowing his cadence, in terms of knowing some of the things that he's good at doing and some of the things that maybe he's not as good 
at on the football field. Yeah, I mean, I think when you play with a player and you spend some time with them on your team and then you face them on another team, you're not real nervous about it, you know? You're not like, oh, you think you have a feeling and an understanding of what he brings to the table and what he's capable of. So you don't really... You're not like, oh, Dom Davis, he's he's got this this gear or this elusive uh, ability or, or he can throw the football a mile. You've seen that all before. So you're very accustomed. You're very comfortable with what they're doing because you've practiced against it forever. So uh, it just depends on on whether you get carried away with that and, and uh, you don't give them the respect that they've deserved or you haven't paid attention to how this player has changed his game or evolved his game because it's a very comfortable feeling when you play against former opponents because you've spent so much time, you know their little tricks, you know their little nuances of, of, of uh, you know, how, how they compete and, and practice and what their skill sets are. So you're you're very relaxed when you play against them. You just have to make sure you know you don't catch uh, they don't catch you off guard. And uh, in, in this scenario too, you know, there's going to be a lot of fire there. And he's obviously a dual threat quarterback, right? He's just not going to be throwing the ball over the top. He has the ability to really scramble, and he's really hurt uh, teams in the initial goings with how he's been able to use his legs uh, to not only extend plays but but to move the chains. So it'll be real interesting to see the defensive approach because. If anybody knows how to game plan for this quarterback, it should be Richie Hall in the defense. So it's going to be real fascinating for me to watch and see how they plan on attacking him and, and what defense they think uh, will will be best suited to to limiting what he's doing out there with his, his options and uh, how dynamic their offense has been. Okay, I want you to take the three or 4,000 words that you've just said and shared with us on the podcast and answer this question, yes or no. Do the Winnipeg Blue Bombers come home three and zero? Oh man, just straight up yes or like no? <laughs> I can't I can't qualify this with you know. I'm just gonna say nope. I'm just gonna say no, just based off the fact you know how they played at home. Granted, uh, previous Blue Bomber teams have played much better sometimes on the road than they have at home. But I'm just gonna go with no for right now, just because. I'm not sure how they're going to respond, uh, you know, to the lack of polish and execution that they had in their in their home opener. I'm not sure it gets easier for them uh, going to Ottawa, but it's hard. Man, is it hard to pick Dom Davis against Matt Nichols? But who knows? I'm just going to go. I'm going to go with the home team for now as a as a wake up call for the, for the Winnipeg roster. Doug, we'll catch up again next week. Thank you for this. All right, my friend. Always a pleasure. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.